This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 KYNO. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. And this hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors. And you know what our goal is. We want our listeners to get really, really good information about our local market. And we are blessed to have over 4,000 members and um, lots of different experiences and backgrounds. And today we have a special guest, and that is Desiree Van Putten. Good morning. Good morning, Don. And you are the president and CEO of Guarantee Real Estate. I think I've heard of Guarantee Real Estate. <laughs> a staple in the Valley for a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, Guarantee Savings That's and Loan right. was right. the predecessor. Yes. And, yes. and I remember that way back in the 80s, Guarantee Savings and Loan mm-hmm. bought out a company here mm-hmm. and formed right. Guarantee Real Estate. That's right. And um, it's a really proud, proud history. And um, I love it. Um, it's such an honor to be leading an organization that was actually founded in the the mission of Guarantee Savings and Loan. I don't know if you realize this, going back 103, 104 years was shortly after the war, we've got to help our local consumers buy property. We need to help them and we're going to make it easy for them. So it's it's a great foundation to be built on. Well, and to uh, further that foundation, when I was a kid, and okay, that was a few years ago. When I was a kid, I remember um, a loan officer from Guarantee mm-hmm. Savings giving my father advice that I still follow to this day. Wow. I remember uh, sitting there and my dad was a little bit upset because the guy didn't really want to do this loan. And um, he said, Nick, you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes you don't want to tap into your home's equity for everyday expenses. Mm -hmm. And that's what my dad needed to upgrade his truck. He Mm -hmm. says, you're going to be paying on it for a long, long time, much longer than you have that work truck. And um, so I remember that as a kid. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That See, I was born to be a realtor because I remember all this <laughs> stuff when I was a kid. I love it. I love it. it. You're doing I even remember when I was eight, eight years old, my parents bought uh, this home. And, of course, it was a VA loan. My dad was mm-hmm. self-employed. Uh, at the time, you had to get all your paperwork to San Francisco for the VA. It was a six-month escrow. At eight years old, I remember every bit of it. That's <laughs> remarkable. Yeah. Wow. I'm not surprised, though, Don, I have to say. <laughs> well, my dad was the kind of the, the perfect borrower, right? All of his records were on the dashboard of his car, his truck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, at least they're handy and easy to access, right? Yeah. yeah. And if you <laughs> see my desk at work, you'll know that, ah, oh, he got a few things from his dad. <laughs> oh. All right. Anyway, um... I think you can bring an interesting perspective today to our listeners because not only are you uh, have worked in real estate here locally, Mm -hmm. um, but you also deal with the CEOs of other companies that are part of the guarantee network. Mm -hmm. 
yes. um, nationally. Yes. So might be good to kind of go over mm-hmm. some of the stats that and maybe compare local to national. To national. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and I'm going to ask you for a forecast, too. Oh, boy. Okay. But, well, anyway, I yeah. know you've got a saying about forecasts, which I will let you you provide. But, yeah. uh, well, sure. Yeah. And that saying is, and this is kind of how I get myself off the hook too. <laughs> Forecasters will eventually be right. <laughs> so <laughs> some well, point. Yes. Yeah. Um, I remember back in 2008 when the market really tanked and I remember some uh, realtors saying, I told everybody I knew it was going to do this. And it's like, yeah, but you said it would in 2004. Right. You know, it, here it took four extra years. Yeah, but I was still right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. So we should all forecast. We'll be right at some point. Right. Yeah. So let me start off with a general question. Okay. How is the local Central Valley market, housing market today? Um, it's a strong market. Um, I think it's still very strong. Uh, I would have to say probably for 2021, we hit our peak in July and we are doing what we normally do, which is just a slight easing of the market. Um, but overall, lower to mid-price properties, I'm going to say anything under 700000 uh, we're still looking at multiple offers. Um, but rather than 20 or 30, we're down to maybe five or six offers. And again, you know, um, it's it's about um, you're knowing the market and having things priced appropriately. But strong market, interest rates are fantastic and um, will be through, we're, we're expecting through mid-2022 at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have got a strong market, not a crazy market any longer here. That's good. So that's good news for the buyers out there who maybe were getting a little frustrated. They were, in fact, what the stats show um, nationally buyers, whereas a few months ago, about 36% of the buyers were saying they were ready, it was a good time to buy, that dropped to about 18%. So we do have a little buyer fatigue that we're dealing with. I think it's a good thing because it is also reminding sellers that it's still a market-driven economy it still takes two (laughs) it still takes two exactly yeah Yeah. and i know once in a while i'll talk to a seller who's hey it's a seller's market Mm -hmm. and uh you know it'll be sold in two days with multiple offers and Mm -hmm. they don't really want to do much to present it properly right um which as you know is it's a problem but i also say in this market to be very selective and be discretionary about what you do do to improve your property. And by far the most important thing is to listen to the advice of your professional agent. With a market like this, it's very tempting for sellers to go, hey, this is the perfect time to get this much that I've been wanting for a long time. The thing that a good agent is going to remember to tell you though is, yes, we've got very, very um, low days on market, as we say, the length of time that it takes to, to get an offer on your property um, or to sell your property. However, if you don't price appropriately, you end up with a property that's sitting on the market 
25, 26, 27. All of a sudden, your property's been on the market for 30 days in a market where the days on market are the median days on market is what, 10, 12 days? What is a buyer thinking when they see that your property's been on the market for 30 days? Oh, must what? be overpriced. It's overpriced. What's wrong with it? Yeah. There's something wrong with this property or oh, difficult seller. This why did be, yeah. why didn't anybody else want it? Why did no one else want it? You got it. Yes. And, and of course, the thing that makes it able to uh, act so quickly or sell mm -hmm. so quickly is the fact that we have the multiple listing service. Yes. Where you have, uh, there's, I believe, 701 brokerages in the Fresno multiple listing service mm -hmm. that work together in that yes. spirit of cooperation yes. to um, share that sure. that information very important yeah and, and later in the show we're going to talk about how that system works mm -hmm. but um all right so that's how things can sell so quickly and yes. get multiple offers yes. and let, let's say there was a home with with 10 10 offers mm -hmm. good chance that most of them have come from competing brokerages absolutely which is great for our sellers right yeah yeah, and great for the buyers because the that buyers. means the buyers get mm -hmm. more to choose from. Correct, yeah. Well, with that, we are going to go to our first commercial break. I told you this goes fast. <laughs> <laughs> so um, anyway, uh, after our commercial break, we got more information for all of you. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio 940 KYNO. Welcome back. Welcome home radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And today we have in the studio with us and sharing tons and tons of her information is Desiree Van Putten, uh, the CEO of Guarantee Real Estate. And we were talking about some of the, the market in general. I've got some questions to ask you, which are, I'm going to relay to you and get your response. Some of the comments that I've heard out there working working real estate in the Central Valley. So I remember earlier this year, probably around February or March, buyer was getting frustrated and he says, you know what? I'm gonna wait until the foreclosure moratorium is over uh, up and all those foreclosures hit the market and prices are gonna crash. So what what do you how would you respond to that? Yeah, that's a, that's a common um, misunderstanding of this market that I hear a lot right now. And um, so unlike uh, the crash and the 2005 bubble, um, we are not in a market where we have risky loans, um, variable rate loans, lenient underwriting. That's just not the reality. Um, in 2006, for example, there were th um, $376 billion in loans for borrowers with less than a 620 credit score. Not a reality now. Last year, there were only $74 billion. That's a fraction of what we dealt with in 2006, 2005. Also, um, demand was inflated during the crash, right? There was an inflated demand. That, as we know, is not inflated. The demand right now is real. We, have, we don't have the inventory. And on top of that, 
homeowners have equity. Yes. Um, more equity than we've had in decades. So we are not dealing with the same kind of market. Right. And if a homeowner was in trouble, um, and they, but they have all this equity, mm-hmm. all they have to do is reduce their price 1%, 2%, and they'll get 10 offers. So true. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. they can end Mm -hmm. the problem there's a solution there's a solution i love that yes yeah whereas back in uh you know 10 15 years ago Mm -hmm. there really wasn't another solution and and maybe the biggest reason is there was a term called underwater yes so uh, i remember somebody bought a home from me for sixty five thousand dollars three bedroom two bath out by the airport so i i felt like they were set well they borrowed on it and then borrowed on it again and again six times to where the loan the the last loan was three hundred thousand oh dollars well when the market did correct or crash however you want to well, however you want to call it they couldn't sell it they had no. used up all their options and used up all their equity mm-hmm. maybe equity is another term for options i think so hey We'll think about that one. That's very true. I love it. So you don't see this person who thought prices are going to crash after the... I don't. I don't. I don't. We don't see prices appreciating as quickly as they have in 2020, 2021. Mm -hmm. Um, But we are still going to see very clear and steady appreciation. And that's happening all over the country, Mm -hmm. right? So as I speak to to, um, CEOs... Um, in New York, upstate New York, Flo- well, Florida, as you can only imagine, they're just booming because they've re- they have all of those buyers from New York, from Massachusetts, who are settling in Florida. And of course, um, Florida tends to be very um, friendly as far as taxes go, um, especially for those retiring. So we are seeing, even though the markets differ in terms of average sales price, we are seeing the same trends all over. I'm glad you said Florida, because my son just bought a condo in, in Orlando, Florida. In Orlando, okay. And uh, here's a funny story. He bought the thing for $129,000, uh, a two-bedroom, two-bath condo with tons of bells and whistles and amenities. Mm-hmm. Anyway, about two months after he bought it, he sends me a screenshot of one of these online estimators mm-hmm. of value. And he goes, Dad, I know the market's really hot, but could I really have over $105,000 worth of appreciation already? Because the screenshot mm-hmm. said it was worth like two thirty-five. Wow. And he bought it for one twenty-nine. Oh, my goodness. I yeah. said, call your realtor, find <laughs> out what it's worth mm-hmm. if, if you need to know oh, don't go wow. off that stuff no that's so true um but i and i i will say i mean some of those apps services and platforms they're becoming a little smarter but they're they're because they're interacting a lot more with those of us who actually understand the market um but you know we've even personally seen it and experienced what we see happening here in fresno um, the way those, the, um, the market is appreciating, um, the multiple offer, um, multiple offers, way above asking price and yet still appraising. That's another topic. Um, we've seen it. We've seen it in Seattle. Our kids all live in different states. 
So we've watched them um, experience this market. Our, our son is buying his first home. He's in escrow right now in his first home in the Washington, D.C. area. Mm-hmm. They were facing exactly the same issues that young first-time home buyers are facing here in Fresno. Multiple offers, getting calls, mom, what, what, are, we gonna, what are we supposed to do? How do we make this offer better? Um, and we experienced it up in the Seattle market as well. So well above asking and, um, um, and uh, multiple offers. But we also are seeing the things that, that I, I shared before, which is homeowners do have equity and solid down payments. Have you seen down payments like this? Oh, no. In never. recent history, right? I didn't know that that much cash was, was out, out in the economy. Yeah. 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 In fact, uh, people that have three to 5% down, it's a tough go for them because they're losing out to people That's that have right. 20 to 30 percent down mm-hmm. exactly so for those people that have had the ability to save money yes and, and have those options yes. uh, for a down payment mm-hmm. they're doing well they really are yeah well then that takes me to another thing uh, about appraisal gaps and appra- yes. uh, appraisal gap waivers. Mm-hmm. That's so new uh, that we yes. don't really have an yes. official name for it yet. Yes. But basically what it says is um, if you offer $320,000 on it and, and you go into escrow at three twenty, but the yes. appraisal comes back at 300000 yes, and your down payment is going to be predicated on the lower of the two, Correct. which is that uh, appraisal. Um. The sellers want to know, well, are you going to cover that extra right. 20000 Right. So what are you seeing on, on that topic? Yes, um, we're having to, to speak and discuss this with our agents a lot to help them advise um, sellers in the market. And I would say we're, we are, for a while there, appraisers were kind of going along with the market. Now, as it softens a little bit, we are beginning to see appraisal gaps. In order to compete, buyers are having to submit offers um, in which they offer up front to bring in additional cash to make up that gap um, should the appraisal come in a little lower. So um, it's good to advise for sellers to understand what they're asking of buyers um, should an appraisal come in lower, but it's also good for buyers to realize that while in the past you had to worry about your down payment, you had to worry about that 3% to cover all of your closing costs, many buyers now are having to make sure that they've got that additional five, ten, or 20000 in cash sitting there to make up an appraisal gap should mm-hmm. they need to. But I remember, I remember my uncle telling me, the appraisal is what it's worth. That's it. That's <laughs> what it's worth. Um, so why would somebody want to pay more than the mm. appraisal? Well, first of all, as we know, appraisals are subjective. Um, That's what my uncle didn't know. He uh, thought, he thought that was it. It's just a hard number. And once an appraisal appraiser um, gave you his opinion, that was it. Well, as, as we know, um, that is an on paper, okay, you have this, this qualif- um, attribute, this criteria, oh, this property has all of this and this and this, but it's not taking into account what the demand is in the marketplace, mm-hmm. right? Appraisers are also limited 
mm-hmm. to what they can do. I yes, have a, that's true. Right, and, and that's by the underwriter, mm-hmm. not by. I almost want to say common sense, but some right. appraiser's going to get mad at me. No, an underwriter will get mad at me. But <laughs> I have one right now mm-hmm. where the house across the street mm-hmm. just sold for $140,000 more than we were asking. Okay. Now, it is bigger. Mm-hmm. She can't use it as a, the appraiser could not use it as a comp. It's right across the street. Um, one digit difference in the address. Okay. Be, and the reason why is it's 25% larger in square foot, oh, square wow. footage. Yeah, so it's not a real comp. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of limited to 15% mm-hmm. uh, d- difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet to me, it's like, wow, that's right, right across the street. That's right. You would think that would be obvious, right? So, yeah. So appraisers are limited that mm-hmm. way. Plus, appraisers have to look backwards. Yes, they do. Buyers have to buy forward. Yes, that's a really good point. Yes. And also, there are things that, of course, the seller in, wow, the seller um, looks at the fact that they invested $50,000, $60,000 into um, something on their property that they thought was going to make their property more valuable. Well, guess what? It was more valuable to the buyer who came in. It is more valuable to the marketplace. But I recently had an appraiser say, yeah, we're not allowed to count that anymore. Yeah. Right. Um, so these are little subtle things that affect the transaction, um, even though they aren't hard facts. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah. What appraisers are allowed to count also towards the value of the property is not always common sense. So what uh, let me change that topic a little bit right now. Let's go to a seller mm-hmm. who says, OK, I, I see what you're saying that 300,000 is where the comps are at, but there is that comp that just closed for 325. So let's price it at 325 mm-hmm. rather than where the bulk of the comps are. What, what advice could we give that seller? Well, um, first of all, we need to know what kind of demand is, there is in that area, right? In that neighborhood, because we're gonna look at multiple factors right um and we want to we we don't want first of all to have what we call the buyer fatigue set in about that particular property so we're going to say okay um mr seller um there may be a comp that just closed for 20 325 um versus the 300 if i'm remembering what you just what what the, the pieces you just pointed out um i would say Um, It depends on your seller, and it depends on your seller's expectations and understanding. But um, I think you could risk it, frankly, Don. Okay, good answer. I Uh, do. And when I asked you that question, I thought, oh, shoot, man, I just threw her a curveball. But I, I, <laughs> I think you hit it. I think you should risk it because, as we just said, appraisals are subjective. But in a, you, the seller also has to quickly move in the yes. event it doesn't yes. sell. Yes. So I will typically say, all right, Mr. Seller, let's, let, we can go for it. Let's go for it. But if we don't see the response that we should have... Um, given the market, if, if three other properties have closed in your neighborhood, 
Yes, they're a little less, they're, they're priced a little lower, but if we ha don't see the response and the activity that we should within the first week, two weeks, we're gonna respond very quickly and we're gonna reduce the price. Okay, that's good. Because about 90% mm -hmm. of the homes are selling in the first 10, 12 days. Correct. Yes. But those ten, if you look at the 10% that aren't, mm -hmm. you see they've been on the market 83 80 days, 112 days. days. Correct. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. something so needs to change respond there. Respond well. And this is where your professional needs to be watching the market and watching the neighborhood and, and watching the numbers. And communicating. And communicating. You're right. And with that, we're going to our next commercial break. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and we have Desiree Van Putten here, uh, the CEO and president of Guarantee Real Estate. And uh, you've been sharing your insights with us and some good ones. I threw you a few curveballs <laughs> in that last segment. I'll try to keep it a little easier for you this time. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, Don. So I'll start right off with what is going to change our low inventory situation locally, mm -hmm. and then also it's Nationally. a national problem mm -hmm. too. Sure. Well, first of all, the obvious um, issue that we're dealing with right now is COVID, right? And the impact of COVID-19 on our economy, on real estate, and those first few months of 2020 when we all thought we were never going to sell real estate again, no one was ever going to open their doors again. So obviously we've seen that improve. And as the COVID situation improves and as we get closer and closer to um, herd immunity, I think that there is an entire group of sellers who've been very reluctant to enter the market who are now relaxing and being willing to enter the market as we are all vaccinated. Um, so sellers who've been waiting to feel safer are becoming willing to enter the market, um, often to downsize or to upsize or even to shift to senior residential communities. That has been an issue um, where we just haven't had a lot of seniors willing to do that. And now that is changing. Um, it's also sellers are also seeing that low interest rates really are here to stay because there were many sellers I was talking to who were like, wow, this this seems like a flash in the pan. How long is this going to last? And they're seeing some stability entering the market as we as the crazy numbers start to to simmer down a little bit um so we really do have a responsibility at this point to keep sellers truly informed about what is happening at the local level what's happening in their neighborhoods so we're encouraging our agents stay connected to your sphere you should be doing um comps on on various neighborhoods and letting sellers know what's actually happening so they can feel confident and comfortable about getting into the market and More after all that is our job that's our job yeah. and in difficult times skilled agents make all the difference in the world for the lives of people living here in our valley um, these are this is these are life-changing um, transactions for people um, so we've got more new construction that's going to be helping inventory and i know we're dealing with all kinds of international supply issues but gradually that pipeline is going to fill up and um, these long lines of people waiting for new builds um, i think those lines will ease 
as um, as we open um, borders open internationally as well. Mm -hmm. um, uh, let's see. So, and as more sellers feel comfortable about entering the market, um, more sellers will. Those are more properties that are available for sellers who have been hesitating because they can't find replacement properties. Um, the other thing is that more agents are becoming more skilled about how to negotiate terms for sellers so that they are reassured that they have time to find replacement properties, right? That's been a big problem that we've dealt with. That has been a big problem. It, mm -hmm. And you are right. I, you just made me think of this. If you go back a year and somebody put into the MLS that, um, you know, their seller needs extra time after yes. close of escrow right. or it's contingent on the replacement, uh, finding a replacement mm -hmm. property. I mean, that was a bad listing. It was. But mm -hmm. now it's almost a common listing. Yeah, that's that's the that's the general market. That's the first thing we hear from sellers who have been wanting to sell for a while, but they're like, yeah, but where am I going to go? Right? How many mm -hmm. times do we hear that? Where am I going to go? So now buyers, smart agents, are letting their buyers know up front, okay, here's how we're going to get your offer accepted. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to find out what that seller needs how much time that seller needs. And you're going to factor in, that means if you're renting, right? If your lease is gonna be up in six months, now's the time to start looking for your property because you now have the flexibility to reassure a seller that they have time to find their replacement property. One of the things I did learn from my uncle who mm -hmm. told me never, you know, but the appraisal is, the appra is what it's worth. He did tell me there's three different categories to negotiating. There's price, time, and terms. Yes. And he said you, the buyer or one party can't win them all. Right. So what if in a healthy market where sellers can risk it mm -hmm. and get uh, higher prices, mm -hmm. maybe they risk it and say, okay, I also need time. Yes. I need an extra mm -hmm. 25 days or an That's extra... Right three months that's right so there's a so that's where a buyer who may not have all cash mm -hmm. right but you've got a 20% down loan solid loan and you've got four or five months to play with that you can give to that seller that seller is going to go with your offer over maybe the just under full price cash offer that can close in 14 days because those terms are not what that seller needs. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this is, and again, here, this is where you've gotta be skilled and paying attention. Okay, so the art of negotiation is yes. trying to find the, the common ground yes. Uh, yes. between all of that. That's right. And uh, by the way, common ground is uh, a term I got from one of your guarantee agents <laughs> from many years ago, John oh. Miller. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, he he was the the ultimate negotiator. Um, but he he took his time in talking to people, mm -hmm. and and find trying to find common ground yes. between two different parties. That's so good. It's about listening, right? Good negotiators listen closely. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had a, a newer agent one time say, "Teach me all the comebacks for." Uh, you know, this objection and that objection. And it's like, it's not about what you say, it's about what you hear. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Pay attention. Uh, they didn't last very long. <laughs> 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 All right. So, um, 
what you're going back to the original question of what's going to create more inventory mm -hmm. you say we have more building starting up mm -hmm. uh COVID is lessening yes. or the impact of that yeah what else could you say boy um i think um i think confidence in the economy um the other thing that could help is um you know unemployment getting employment getting people back to work um or also there's a generational issue as well right we've got m three generations right now right we've got those boomers um you know i'm a tail end very boomer xer and so we've got a huge population who are getting ready to downsize right now um, and those of those of us who are prepping to downsize, that's a lot of inventory that that's potentially coming to the market at this point, as those in, in my age group certainly um, become more comfortable about selling their properties. Um, so I think generationally, um, we're looking at those factors. Boy, um, politics. You know, politics always affects inventory. I'm, I'm, I've been toying with, you know, how this the eviction moratorium may affect our market. And I was going to ask know, you that. Yeah. You know, you know, is that really going to have a big? Fa and I'm hearing so many mixed opinions on it. It certainly will have a micro effect on our market in that. Um, if we see an increase in homelessness, that affects neighborhoods and um, desirability of certain areas. I I don't personally see it having a macro effect, but I'm always open to hearing other opinions on that. That um, would be my on opinion. On our residential, our residential yeah. market. I don't see a big macro impact with it. Uh, now, I know there will be some property manager out there that would argue with me right mm -hmm. now. But I don't think the uh, eviction thing is going to be too too big of a thing. First of all, you're seeing on social media, oh, 80,000 people are going to become homeless uh, the day after the eviction moratorium's <laughs> lifted. Well, no, the eviction moratorium just, now mm -hmm. it, the process has to start. Yes. Exactly. Uh, and it's not like the courts are going to just open their door to 80,000 people in one county. No. Um, that wasn't Fresno County, by the way, mm -hmm. when I saw that. I think it was somewhere in Texas. Yeah. But my point is it only allows the process to begin. But I don't think there's that many people that are grossly behind. Mm -mm. No. In fact, the numbers show, I, I was looking at... Um, um, a graph by Keeping Current Matters, um, an organization that just watches and tracks real estate um, data. And um, most of the homeowners, most of the borrowers who actually needed some kind of forbearance, I think 85% of them have worked something out with the bank. They're not going to go into foreclosure. Mm. Um, and even those who... Um, were not able to work something out are now beginning to. And um, we are not going to see a big foreclosure um, impact on our market. So mm -hmm. I, I, and I think, I suspect that the eviction moratorium, may, we may see similar, um, a similar pattern. 
um, yeah, I don't think we're going to have as many as we're as their mm-hmm. the media is des- is describing. What I'm kind of seeing is that this is going to be a lot like the early '90s rather than the 2008. 2008. I mean, we were dumped on our ear immediately, and everybody knew that. Ow, yes. you know, v- values were were crushed and, and such. But in the early '90s, we had a recession, mm-hmm. but we didn't know about it till we looked backwards and, and say, saw, "Oh, wow, hey, I think we had a recession." Mm-hmm. I <laughs> so, think it's going to be similar right now. Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. yeah. With that, we have to go to another commercial break. But stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio. 940 ES. No, I did that one on purpose. It's KYNO. Welcome back. Welcome home radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and we're taking care of business today. We're talking with Desiree Van Putten of Guarantee Real Estate and um, the CEO, president of that company. long-time local company. Uh, So anyway, we are bound together by, uh, Mm -hmm. you work for a different company than I work for, Mm -hmm. and there's 4,000 members, seven Mm -hmm. uh, individual members, over 700 brokerages. Um, But we all have a a multiple listing service that we share. Yes. Sharing. That's kind of odd in a competitive market Mm -hmm. kind of an odd uh, concept it is and yet you know it's one of the things that I really respect about our industry Um, we are forced to be incredibly competitive not just in terms of our clients but even in terms of our agents right Um, but our primary concern is making home ownership um, not only possible for those in our community, but to smooth the way in every way that we can and to provide our buyers and sellers with the best choices mm-hmm. possible. Um, right? So that's yeah. what I love about it. Right. And, and here's a benefit of a multiple listing service mm-hmm. and that sharing concept. Yes. If I, had, if I was working with a buyer myself and I had to show my own listings, they wouldn't have much of a selection. Right. But here I could turn them, uh, give them the information on 1,100 different active listings as opposed to a couple. Right. And know that those listings, regardless of which brokerage um, is responsible for those listings, they're available for you. You can walk in and you can show your clients as many of those as they're interested in seeing. Mm -hmm. I love it. Um, the other thing that I like about cooperation, the spirit of cooperation, is that it means smoother transactions. Um, it means better outcomes for both sides. Um, so if you really embrace the spirit of cooperation, it means that when you have opportunities to build relationships with agents, um, brokers, um, leaders from other brokerages, you make it possible for another level of successful negotiations when it comes to your buyer and their seller or vice versa, right? What it, both parties win. Ah, and for me, go. that is far as important as providing as many homes as possible and sharing our listings. Um, it means that um, it encourages agents to provide 
the best possible options for their clients. And uh, those relationships are really important. Mm -hmm. And I liked what you said, both parties win. Yep. That's one of the great things about a residential transaction. Yes, yes. Yeah. It, it's not like, uh, yeah. you know, um, dealing in commodities or mm -hmm. something like that. This is something where both parties can win. Maybe yes. somebody's been in the home for 30 years, mm -hmm. they need to downsize. Um, and you got a new family that yeah. wants to grow and, mm -hmm. and that's, it's just a perfect fit. Yeah. And then as we all know, especially you in management know, problems come up. Yes, they do. <laughs> um, and it, I mean, it could be title issues. Mm -hmm. It could be um, right. inspection issues, repairs. Right. Yes. So these are the little battles inside mm -hmm. the yes. big picture. Right. And you can't win them all. You can't. But if both parties can win, may, maybe the uh, maybe the uh, seller agrees to do an extra repair mm -hmm. that they weren't planning on. Right. But that buyer also negotiated to give that seller an extra week to right. live there. So you got it. Both parties mm -hmm. w would win there. Yes. And the relationship between those agents and how the agents, how the agents communicate with each other has a huge impact on the attitudes of those buyers and sellers towards each other. All right. Now, now I'm going to throw you a curveball. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> All right. So um, I got a thing in the mail this week on one of my properties, and it, it, it's from some company that says, hey, uh, we'll provide you with 12 offers on your, your home. Mm -hmm. uh, are you interested in uh, working with us? It's an online company. There's, oh, there is an 800 number, but, mm -hmm. uh, but um, they're going to do all this electronically. Mm -hmm. um, how does that business model compare to local realtors right. with a multiple listing service? How, you know, when you have built a property or you've raised your kids in a property, you've lived there for 20 years, 25 years, the, the biggest um, transaction that you will probably complete or be part, a participant in in your lifetime, and now you are looking for the maximum return, you wanna sell for the best possible, you wanna make sure a good buyer comes into your home, buys your property, you need someone on the ground. Mm -hmm. You need a live person. You need someone who can walk into your home, who walks through your home with you and says, you know, if I'm going to if I'm going to take a listing, I walk through and I say, OK, Mr. Seller, sell me your home. Mm -hmm. Tell me what you love. How is someone on the other side of an 800 number going to be able to come in and appreciate the value of your home and then be able to be your advocate as you negotiate, as you were pointing out, the whole series of items, terms, prices, all kinds of things that we negotiate during the course of a transaction. There's no substitute for a person who you've built a relationship with mm -hmm. and who now has a relationship with the agents or on the other side um, in terms of win-win. Now that's a real win-win. Mm -hmm. That brings satisfaction. I had a property where I suggested after I did my homework, my comps, I suggested a list price of $600,000. Mm -hmm. 
And the guy looked at me. He was smiling, but he said, uh, but this website online. <laughs> says 650. <laughs> well, in this case, 375. And I said, well, that website didn't walk through your home no. and see that you restored it. You did this and this and this. Uh, it looks like they're just going on a percentage based on what you bought it for when mm. it was a trashed out foreclosure. Ah, yes. You're making but, a really good point. Yeah. And, and when I said that website didn't walk through your home like mm -hmm. I did, you know, he said, I, I know I gained a little credibility there. What, where I really gained the credibility was two days after we listed it, that website was now at 625. Oh. Went for 375 oh, to 625 in two mm -hmm. days. Now mm -hmm. that is some massive inflation. <laughs> <laughs> what a market. <laughs> right. Okay. I would like to ask you, what is your best real estate advice for a seller? Wow. Okay. So we've talked a little bit about pricing and um, my, my first um, piece of advice is listen to your agent. Listen to the professional who's who's watching everything in the marketplace. Um, listen to their recommendations. Um, I can't um, overestimate the importance of pricing, pricing appropriately, not only for the comps and for your neighborhood, but for the market, right, and the demand in the market. Um, one of the first things sellers typically ask or people who are prepping to, rep their pro to um, sell their property is, what should we do? How do we prepare the property? Um, should we do this? Do we, should we overhaul the kitchen? Should we put, you know, what are the things that we should do? And one of the temptations is to make your property now trend with everything um, and spend exorbitant amounts of money to do trendy changes. And I don't recommend trendy changes. Don't go with fads. If you're going to make improvements on your property, and again, this is all based on your property and the advice of your agent, but try to stay away from fad improvements mm -hmm. and do improvements that have that last right so don't put too much emphasis on hgtv there you go <laughs> right shabby chic may be in this week but it might not be in in uh, in a few weeks um so yeah i would say that that's probably one of the things that um sellers will often ask um what do i remodel um, what should I remodel, and if so, how, what will bring me the best return on my property? And so listen to the advice, depending on your property, listen to the advice of your agent, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, so one thing for sellers. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now how about your best real estate advice for buyers? Um, I'm going to say um, buyers who are on the fence who are listening to you know some of the influencers on YouTube who are saying oh it's better to rent don't buy I say whoa 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 um, in every marketplace nationally it is a far better use of your money to purchase a property than to rent um, you know let's see I was looking at um, essential guide to creating um, uh, let's see, a, a home buying budget. So today's buyers are spending approximately 20% of their income on monthly mortgage payments, right? Um, Freddie Mac, typically um, lending guidelines suggest about 28% of your income be the maximum that you spend on a mortgage. Um, so since home prices are rising, 
Um, it's true that homes may seem less affordable than they have been since the housing crash 15 years ago, but we they are actually significantly more affordable than any time um, from 1975 to 2005. The other thing that you want to think about is once you purchase a property in this kind of market, you're building equity, right? Yeah. And that equity, you take that, that you subtract that equity from your cost. There is just no way that renting comes close. Here's the other buy. thing. Mm-hmm. In the year, if you're renting, yes. how much rent are you going to be charged in the year 2038? Ah, there you go. You don't know. You don't know. If you know. have a 30-year fixed rate mortgage, yes. you know what your housing cost is. Yes, you do. Okay, we have about 30 seconds left. Give okay. me your best advice mm. for a homeowner who's not going to buy or sell. Wow. Well, first of all, enjoy your home. Oh, perfect. Okay, enjoy your home. Um, that's your special space. And if there's one thing we've learned in, in the last year and a half, it's what matters. Mm-hmm. And how important that we it is that we live in a place that we love, and um, yeah, and your your home is building value even if you're not interested in buying or selling. And if you are interested in buying or selling, when you reach the point that you want to buy or sell, seek a professional. There you go, member of the MLS. Yeah. <laughs> well, Desiree, we appreciate you coming in today and sharing your experiences and your knowledge with all our listeners and with us. Thank you, and thank you. And to all our listeners, thank you for tuning in every week. We really appreciate it. We'll be back next week. Thank you.